Turn to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, beginning with verse 1 again this morning. Am I coming through all right? Okay, because I, I noticed my batteries were going low. So if, it, it, okay, if need be, I'll go to the other mic. Okay. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning one day. I have often watched as Ginger gathers some raw materials together. It might be a canvas, it it may be a a saw blade, it, it may be a wooden piece, and then gets out all of the paints and the brushes and so forth, and begins to create... A masterpiece. It looks like chaos at first. I, I, I see that on Thursday mornings, the ladies that come here for the, the painting class. So you, you, you look at their table, and it's a total mess. But out of it comes something beautiful. In, in a small way, that's what's happening in Genesis chapter 1. God is taking the raw materials. He said the earth was formless and void. It was but a, a ball there that he was going to shape and make into a masterpiece. A masterpiece not, that involved not just the world, but, but the universe as well. Last time, as we looked at verse 1, we looked at, first of all, the majesty of God, and then the mystery of God. And both of those, I think, are displayed on day one of, of his creation here. Uh, as I thought about that, we went home that night and we watched a video that we had received, or I had received at Christmas time. It was a bioengineer that was speaking about his work and so forth, a Christian bioengineer. He had been asked to come up with some kind of machine that they could use to send into a building that was on fire or a hostage situation, kind of like a miniature drone that they could use to see what was going on inside. Kind of a tough assignment. And so what did he do? He decided to study the dragonfly, and uh, he and a a team of his students got together, and they found out that the uh, dragonfly beats its wings 40 times per second. Not just one pair of wings, but two wings that they they have there, and uh, as they studied that, at first it seemed impossible, and then they realized what was going on there, and and they were able to make the, the little... Uh, piece of equipment that they were were to make, and, and then they were able to take that same principle, enlarge it, and use it in the space program. And, and now they are one of his graduate students is taking that this the same thing that they got from the dragonfly, and they're making a better knee out of it for for people that need knee, knee transport. They and, and as he spoke, he said, "We are just beginning to unlock the mysteries." and the majesty of nature. And as, as th- that whole field of, of bioengineering takes a look at what God has created, 
they're able to come up with better creations for us today. And so we're going to look again at the majesty and the mystery of God as it was displayed on day one. He begins with darkness. Darkness was over the face of the earth. How is it possible to bring order out of chaos in the dark? For us, that's an impossible situation, isn't it? But it's not impossible for God. In Psalm 139, he says uh, in verses 11 and 12 there, If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to thee. And the night is as bright as day. Darkness and night are alike to thee. Why is that true? It's true because God is light. And in him there is no darkness. And so the fact that it was began in darkness here was no problem to the Lord. And on day one, what, if we want to condense it down very simply, what happened is God said, let there be light. In a sense, he's saying, turn on the light. And the light came into the world that we know. <coughs> uh, some of you have seen some of the, the chalk presentations that people give. Uh, a, a, a big board, all kinds of chalk there, and in about 20 or 30 minutes, a, a picture is created there. And, and then uh, the artist says, in a sense, let there be light. The switch is flipped, and suddenly there's the black light picture is, is suddenly there. And, and it's been there all along. It, it just hasn't been visible to the naked eye and and as they say let there be light there it is and that's what the spirit of god is doing here in verse two he's moving over the formless void and god says let there be light there interesting phrase there when it speaks of the spirit moving over the the surface of the earth the same word is used in deuteronomy chapter 32 um Verse 11, it's up on the board. I find it easier up there than on my notes. In Deuteronomy 32, we have the song of Moses. He, he's singing of the glories of the Lord. He, he's about to die. Uh, he, the Lord has told him to go up on the mountain. He, he, he knows his time is short. So this is a tremendous praise to the Lord here. So he looks back over 120 years of life. But in verse 11, he says, like an eagle that stirs up its nest. Now, that's the same phrase that is being used in Genesis, where it says the spirit was moving over the, the surface of the earth. The eagle stirs up its nest, hovers over its young. He spreads his wings, caught them, carried them on his pinions there. The idea behind that is the eagle takes the time to prepare the nest for the young. My daughter has a, a, a nest on a towered not too far from their house so she can watch out of her living room window with a pair of binoculars. The eagles come every year and they, they have a nest up on the, on the top of that tower. They come every year and they stir up the nest. They put some new branches in it, get some new sticks. They, 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 their purpose is they are preparing a place where they can lay their eggs and have their young there. And I think the idea that God had in choosing that word here was we need to realize that God was preparing a nest for you and I. God was preparing a, a home for us. The whole purpose of creation here 
as, as you read the story, you notice the order of creation. The whole purpose here was a place for Adam and Eve. They were created last. God wanted to make sure that everything was in place, everything that was needed for life was there, and he then created and placed Adam and Eve into that beautiful place that, that he had created, stirred up for, for them. It's kind of like the, the construction industry. You ever notice builders, when they're building a house, they don't like people to move in before it's finished. <laughs> uh, <laughs> If you've had a house built and, and you're anxious to get into it, you get a little bit impatient with that, don't you? And, and yet they have a reason for that. It's so much easier for them to get the, the job finished if, if you're out of, out of the house there. Uh, and so uh, many times they insist that you can't move in until it is completely finished. Well, that's what God was doing here as well. When it is ready, in the right time, he said, I will create Adam and Eve, and I will place them in the house that I have built for them. And so he begins with light. He says, let there be light. And as we think of light, essential for life, we see, first of all, the mystery of light. Years ago, I studied physics. I, I was a math major, and my minor was in physics. I, I took a lot of physics courses. I have forgotten most of what I, I learned in physics. I, I, I hate to say that, but uh, I haven't used it for years, and it, some, a lot of it's gone. I, I was able to teach my uh, son and other students basic physics courses, but I, I, I wouldn't want to go beyond that any, any, anymore. But one of the things that I learned in physics was that we simply do not understand light. It's a mystery. We don't know. How does the light from the sun get from the sun to the earth? There are theories that abound out there. Uh, it comes in waves. It comes in particles. It comes in energy. But the fact of the matter is we just do not understand it. Now, that doesn't mean we can't enjoy it. That doesn't mean we don't depend on it. That doesn't mean we... We, we, we don't use it, but we can't fully explain it. You ever wonder why? What, what is it about light that is so hard for the scientists to pin down uh, and, and, and get a handle on? Well, I think uh, Danny gave us the reason in First John chapter 1. Remember what it said in verse 5? God is light. Uh, in that same little book, he says God is love. How many of you fully understand love? It's a mystery, isn't it, at times? You, you ever look at a couple and you wonder, what does he see in her? Or, or what does she see in him? Uh, we, uh, we, we don't always understand it. Uh, and uh, The same thing is true of light. God is light. And so as we see light, realizing that we don't fully understand it, let it remind you of the true light, the light of the world. Of, of Jesus Christ himself. The next time you have the privilege of getting up early enough to watch the sunrise, celebrate the fact that God is light. Now, I know some of you are not morning people, so you don't feel like celebrating first thing in the morning. Uh, that, that's too bad. But uh, if you're an evening person, as you watch that sunset, give God glory. Thank him for the light. Th thank him for who he is and what he has done as the light of your life there. 
Uh, we, we will not fully understand him just as we don't fully understand light. Isaiah 55 in verses 8 and 9 speaks to the fact that his ways are what? Greater than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We can't begin to fully fathom who God is and, and his creation and so forth. But we can enjoy learning what we can. We can enjoy the, the, the measure that, that we do understand. And we can appreciate and value the, the light that he gives to us here. When we think of Isaiah 55, the fact that we'll never fully understand God, don't let that discourage you today. Uh, I think of the song, The Love of God. George Beverly Shea, as, as he used to sing that song, would stop between the couple of the verses, and, and he would speak of standing on the shore of the ocean, <clears throat> looking out and seeing the vastness of the ocean, and then saying, out there there's more, much more. We haven't begun to plumb the depths of God's love. We, we haven't begun to appreciate the grace of God that, that's out there. Out there, there is so much more. We'll spend all of eternity learning more and more of his grace, more and more of his love. We, we can rejoice in, in the glorious future that he has for us there. And we'll begin to unlock some of those mysteries in, in eternity. We also see in light the... Uh, the majesty of God. In First Timothy chapter 6, start in verse 15 there. I think I just gave you 16 in the notes, but uh, it says, which he will bring about at the proper time, he who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone possesses immortality and dwells in inapproachable light, who no man has seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. What is he trying to capture in there? He's trying to give us a glimpse of the majesty of God. He dwells in light that we can't even today begin to fathom or approach or understand. Moses, I think, got a glimpse of that, the glory of that light. Remember Moses, as he was, came down off of Mount Sinai, he was talking with the Lord and he said, Lord, show me your glory. Let me, let me see your glory. Don't you wish you could do that? Don't you wish you could get a glimpse of him sometimes? And the Lord said, Moses, I, I can't do that. If you were to see my face, you would die. And uh, he couldn't stand the, the glory that was there. Uh, and God gave him a, a glimpse of, of the back of the Lord as he moved before him there. But uh, he got a glimpse of, of the the majesty of God and his glory and his light. Isaiah, I think, had the same experience. Isaiah chapter 6, he saw the Lord high and lifted up. What did he do? Fell on his face before the Lord because of the majesty and the glory of the, the Lord. Light in a small way reveals to us the majesty of God. We, uh, think of just the the white light that we see around us you you ever notice what happens when that white light is reflected through raindrops you get the rainbow or or a a prism there now i realize some of you appreciate that more than others Uh, when i see a rainbow i see a a yellow streak and a blue streak and that that's the the sum total of the rainbow Uh, but uh, some of you see more than that and yet i'm told that there are colors out there that you and I don't see today. Will we see them in glory? I think so. But uh, 
So uh, I, I take encouragement in that because maybe in reality we're all just a little bit color challenged. Not, not just a few of us. Maybe we all are. Maybe there's some glories out there that we, we have to wait for heaven to, to see. I always used to think uh, a box of crayons was a total waste. Uh, every year, start of the school year, you had to have a new box of crayons, 64 crayons. What in the world do you need 64 crayons for? That's just a source of frustration. You, you, you open that box, and you can maybe identify five or six of them there, and the, the rest of them you might as well throw away. Now, our artists won't agree with me on that. They, they think you need more than 64, but... Um, if you're not an artist, that can be a source of frustration. But when you think of the majesty of the light here, I think of Psalm 19, verse 1, where he says, What? The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth his handiwork. All around us, we get glimpses of the glory and the majesty of God. Why? Because he has given us light. He has given us the ability to see and to realize his glory and his majesty today. Well, that leads us to the purposes of light. And I realized that uh, I didn't give you an outline that all starts with the same letters this, this time. Uh, you, you, you can uh, first two start with M, the second two start with P. So that makes it a little easier to remember if I ever give you a test on it. But uh, the purposes of life, what does it do for us? Why did he begin with life or light? Uh, first reason is it brings life. Without light, there is little or, or no light. Uh, again, go back to John chapter 1, verse 4. The life was the light of men there. Life as we know it depends on light. If you don't believe it, go down into the depths of a cave. How much life do you find there? You find very little in the darkness that is there, the total darkness. I mean, you get down in there and they turn off the light and, and you can't even see your hand in front of your face. Not much growing down there, not, not much uh, living down there in, in that total darkness there. The same thing is true in the depths of the sea. There are a few things down there, but uh, ver- very little of life there. <clears throat> we need it for seeing. We need it for food. Where would we be without the sunlight? What, how would we grow our crops and so forth? It, God <coughs> realized that, that we needed it there. And in a very real sense, we need it spiritually as well. We need his light reflected in our hearts, in our lives, so that we can be all that he has, so that we can experience the spiritual life that he has for us. Light also brings meaning into our lives. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, talks of God as light, and then he encourages us in those verses to walk in the light. It's an interesting concept that, that he gives to us there as, as we think of walking in the light. Jesus picked up on that in John chapter 3. In verse 16, we're familiar with that. God so loved the world, gave his only begotten son, and so forth. But then, sadly, you go down to verse 19 of that chapter. <clears throat> he said, this is the judgment that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, for their deeds were evil there. They, they chose Instead of God, they chose darkness. They, they wanted the, the darkness of the world. They, 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 wanted, they didn't want the spiritual light that he came to offer. He came, John 8, 12, as the light of the world. And yet they, they rejected that, wanted nothing to do with that. And sadly, 
the world today has chosen to walk in darkness. They've missed his purpose. Uh, And we need to be careful that we don't do the same thing. In Romans chapter 1, verse 21, it speaks of the fact of talking about the Old Testament days. When they knew God, they glorified him not as God. They turned to darkness. They, They rejected the light. And, and that's possible if we're not careful, we can have a spiritual blind spot in our own life. We can turn to the darkness. We can turn away from the light. We, we need to be careful in that area. And then light gives us a reason for living. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus gives the illustration of a light, a candle that's lit. You don't light it and put it under a bushel. You, you put it up where it gives light to the whole world. And he goes on to say, a city set on a hill can't be hidden. Why? Because of the light that's in there. <coughs> Year, years ago, back in the days of the World War I and World War II, used to have those blackout curtains. Some of you can remember that. Trying to keep the light from being visible. And, and uh, that's a tough job. You have a light in the house. You can have all kinds of curtains, but if you're not careful, just a little crack in the light shines out of it. it, it uh, it's hard to hide the light. And we don't want to hide our light because we are the lights, he said, of the world. He has sent us forth to reveal the, the light of God to the world in which we live. I like the picture that comes out of 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and 4. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, he says, we are being transformed from what? Glory to glory. The light of God's shown in our hearts, and we are growing, and we are becoming more like Christ. And then he goes on to reveal in chapter 4 that if our gospel is hid, if we hide that light, the lost are the ones that don't see the light. We have the purpose of revealing the light to those that need the gospel message. We are the, the lights in, in the world today. And then you come down to verse 7 of chapter 4 there. He says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. God's placed that light within us, within these bodies, so that the world can get a glimpse of of Jesus Christ. And uh, as someone said, we're crackpots. Why? Because God wants the light to shine out. He wants the world to be able to see the difference that he can make in in a person's life. And uh, we used to sing that little song in Sunday school, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Any of you remember that? Had all kinds of motions that went with it and so forth. Uh, captures that truth very beautifully here. This little light of mine, he's placed that light in us so that our family, so that our friends, so that our loved ones, our community can get a glimpse of the glory of Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. Uh, you ever wonder why did God put you in Chihuahua. There's somebody here that needs to see the light. Somebody here that needs to see Jesus Christ through you. Someone that needs to get a glimpse of, of, of his glory. That's why you're here. Now, I, I realize there's a multitude of reasons why people would want to live in Chihuahua. It, it's a beautiful area. We, we have snow once in a while. <laughs> yeah, not, not, not enough of it, but we do have it. Uh, we, we, we have all kinds of activities we can enjoy out in nature and so forth. It's just a tremendous place to live. And yet, that's not why we're here. We're here 
Because God said, I need a light in Chewila. And, and that's why he's allowed you to be here, so that somebody out there can get a glimpse of the glory of God. That's the reason for, for living there. And that leads to the permanency of light here. Interesting, when we come to the end of time in the book of Revelation, twice there he mentions, in Revelation 21, 23 through 25, he, he says, The city has no need of the sun or the moon to shine upon it, for the glory of the Lord illumined it, and its lamp is the, the land, and the nation shall walk by its light there. Come down to chapter 22 there, in, and uh, verse 4, I believe it is. Not in my notes. Uh, what, what did I give you there? Yeah, 22 verse 4. And they shall see his face. Okay, verse 5 is actually the one I want. There will no longer be any, any night. There shall be no need of the light of a lamp nor the light of the sun, because the Lord shall illumine them, and they shall reign forever and ever. Critics of the creation account and of Genesis like to say, Moses got it wrong. Because if you read the full account, when was the sun created? Day four, yeah, day four. Yeah, there, there was no sun on day one, two, and three, and yet God said, let there be light, and there was light. And so they say, well, you can't be right because the, the sun didn't come till day four. fact of the matter is, in eternity, we're not going to have the sun or the moon. Why? Because the light of God is going to be there. So when God said, turn on the light, he was the light that was revealed on day one. And today, we have that song, come to the light to shining for you. Sweetly, the light has dawned upon me. I, I didn't take the time to look it up, but I think, is that the light of the world? Is that the title of that? Yeah, okay. Come come to the light. It's shining for you. That's the invitation that he gives to us. And yet, unfortunately, not everyone will heed that invitation. In Second Peter chapter 2, in, in verse 17, it says, talking of the false prophets, there are springs without water, mist driven by storms, for whom the black darkness has been reserved. And Jude chapter... In verses 6 and 13 speaks of the same thing. The, the light was there. They chose to reject the light. They chose to have nothing to do with, with the light of the world. And so God on day one said, let there be light. Turn on the light. And there was light. Have you allowed God to turn that light on in your heart? Because as you think of day one, I personally believe that day was a 24-hour day. Almost every time that word is used in the Old Testament, it speaks of a 24-hour day. And we wonder, well, how could God do all of that in just six 24-hour days? Well, the fact of the matter is, nothing's impossible with him. He spoke, and it happened. Uh, how, did he, how did it happen? I don't know, but he knows. And, and uh, as you, th- you think about that... Um, Jesus, Paul, Peter, all refer to the seven days of creation, literal days. And I think we can, we can take those days literally there. But on that day, he said, let there be light. In Psalm, chapter, Psalm 74, verse 16, he says, 
Thine is the day, thine also is the night. Thou hast prepared the light and the sun. Thou hast established all the boundaries of the earth. Thou hast made summer and winter there. Interesting thought, that last one. Any of you complain about winter? God made it. God has a purpose in it. Be be, be careful there about complaining about it. And I have to be careful. I don't complain when it gets hot. I mean, we can rejoice in the snow, but that hot weather, that's something different there. But when we are confronted with the darkness, and we are confronted with darkness today, we live in a sin-darkened generation. Romans chapter 13, he speaks of the fact there that we're living in the darkness of night there. He said the day is about to dawn, but it hasn't quite come yet. In the midst of that darkness, he said, you are the lights in the world. You are the one who is to take the light of God into the world that he has given to us today. We have the responsibility to reveal his light in a sin-darkened generation. Uh, And I I like what John suggests in John chapter 1 there. He said, you know, the darkness cannot overpower the light. The light wins. The, the light wins. And we, uh, I, I, I like how Billy Graham spoke of the fact that he was an optimist. Um, in, in the, he was in the Senate lunchroom. Somebody asked him, are you a pessimist or an optimist? He said, I'm an optimist. And they said, well, why? He said, because I've read the last chapter. Read the last chapter and you'll find out the light wins. You're on the victor side. We, we can rejoice in, in that fact. Uh, the darkness, no matter how dark the world may seem around us, it cannot put out the light. Um, it, this room can be totally dark, all the lights out in town, and you light a candle. What happens? The darkness doesn't overpower the candle. The candle overpowers the darkness. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. Jesus Christ ultimately will win the, the battle that is raging in the world around us today. And so a couple questions come out of that. Have you accepted God's light? We can choose to walk in darkness. We can reject the light of the world. And if we do so, we continue to live in spiritual darkness. And then if you've accepted that light, are you willing to pray, Lord, Turn the light on in my heart. If there's some area of darkness in my life that needs to be dealt with, would you please reveal that area of darkness? Uh, Are we willing to pray, Lord, turn on the light? Not just walk in the light, but have the Lord turn that light on. And he is able to reveal ways in which maybe we're walking contrary to his word. Maybe... There's something in our home that's not right. Maybe it's in the work world. Maybe it's in not wanting to have our own way. Maybe it's in creating division. What, whatever it may be that is keeping us from demonstrating the character of Christ in our, our area, sphere of influence, we need to say, Lord, turn on the light so that I can see that and have it removed from my life. Are we willing to pray, Lord, turn on the light today? As we approach today the Lord's table, one of the purposes for the Lord's table is that we take some time to do what? 
to examine ourselves. We take some time, in a sense, to pray, Lord, turn on the light. Show me if there's an area that I need to deal with in my heart or in my life. And so I'm going to give you that opportunity to pray this morning individually. We bow for a moment of silent prayer and ask the Lord to turn on the light. Is there some area where you've been walking in darkness? Some area that you know is not right in your life? You need to ask his forgiveness and cleansing. You may even need to go to a brother or sister after we're, we're finished and ask their forgiveness. But are you willing to pray, Lord, shine that light in my heart so that my heart can reflect your light in a greater way? Let's take a moment of silent prayer.